you only have one time to prove your reputation out there. One time. And if you mess up on that, they're going to destroy it for you. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast, your home for amazing, very real stories about phenomenal businesswomen in all sorts of different industries over all sorts of different parts of the world who are here to share the real stories of how they've grown their businesses so that you can take some practical ideas and go implement them in your business. Now, if you're just starting your business, there's an amazing resource that you can tap into. It's called How to Launch Your Brand Online. It is an ebook that I created just for you. If you want to make sure that your business is represented very well and very effectively in the online space, including on a website, uh, on a blog, on social media, then being able to follow these very simple steps to be able to build up a customer base that is dying for exactly what you got That's what this book is all about. Go find out more at bizwomenrock.com. Today I have Renee Puebla on the show. And uh, in addition to the fact that she is super high energy, which is awesome, and I promise you, you'll be jumping out of your seat by the time you're done listening to this interview, uh, she has established a very well-known and very well-respected event planning and production company out in California since 1986. So this gal's got a lot of history in business that she talks about. Uh, Some major interesting points is that she talks about how powerful a mentor really can be for your business uh, and your attitude and your belief in yourself as a businesswoman. Uh, She talks about some really like ways I've never heard of before to go out and seek the best of the best vendors, which was fantastic. And she really talks about her overall life story and business story, um, all the ups and downs that she's had. And she has a great story about uh, kind of the the moment when things kind of blew up during an event and did not go as planned. And good Lord, don't we all know that, you know, nasty feeling in our gut when something just does not go as planned. So she talks about that story and how she got through it. So she's a really incredible woman. Uh, And just, I have so much respect for the business that she has built. She talks about, too, why she has chosen to maintain a concierge and boutique type of a business rather than growing huge and large and expanding all over the country, which I thought was really interesting. So you're going to enjoy this. So let's get going in with Renee. Renee, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited. I got to admit that like I was uh I am so tired right now. Like I just had like the, this afternoon lull and literally as soon as you picked up the phone, you're like, "Hey, what's up, girls?" Like, "Woo! Okay, it's time to go." <laughs> it's time to go and it's Thursday. It's Thursday. That's that's you know, I have something to look forward for, you know, because we got it. Friday coming up and then I can sleep in on Saturday. <laughs> Sleep it until 8 o'clock at least. So this is a good thing. I love it. I love it. So be prepared. Listening to this, you're going to have a lot of energy once you once you uh, finish listening to this interview. So thank you for being here. Um, I am so fascinated 
by the company that you've built and the journey that you've had uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one is that, you know, for my local company, as I was mentioning before to you offline, is that you, I, we do a lot of events. And so I sort of have this very intimate knowledge about what it takes to be an event planner and sort of, you know, a whole production company. And it's a lot. And I have immense amount of respect for anyone who could do that. But to do that at the level that you have done it is really amazing. And so I really want to get into that story and share with everyone listening about how you've been able to make it work all of these years. So you started your company in 1986. Why did you start this company? And what, what, what in the heck was going on in your, in your mind that you said, I can, I can start this events company? Well, you know, I used to work for a company called Rome, and they were a telecommunication company. And I worked in the service department with my boss, and he was just an amazing man. He was open to any new ideas there were. So I told him, I said, the morale is down in the office. Why don't you give me your credit card? I can make everybody happy. And so I used to do events for them, you know, at least every quarter or maybe every month or whatever. And um, it really boosted morale within our department. And so a lot of people in the department said, Renee, you're so good at what you, you know, what you do. Um, why don't you start your own company? I'm thinking, start my own company? I, I'm just, just doing little parties within the department. Right. But I think it's because I was so organized and so detailed, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about that. My daughter was young at the time, so I had it on the back burner. And so when she became a teenager, I decided to branch out and start my own company with an event planning. However, in 1986, there were no planners. You know, you have people doing weddings, you know, things right. like that. But this industry is a, well, I would say a trillion-dollar industry because there are so many people within the industry that makes billions. But it has grown so much to such a level now that when I started my business, it, it was just something that was small. I mean, a lot of people used to have it as a hobby, you know, to make extra money on the side. But I took it to the level of that I wanted it to be a business not a hobby. And so it, it took some time. It took about two years before I ended up off of welfare. No, <laughs> not literally. <laughs> but, you know, not eating beans and, you know, macaroni right. and cheese. But it took about two years. And, you know, just being very diligent and being out there and just, you know, introducing yourself to the community and getting involved in nonprofits, that really helped me to build my business. Interesting. What were um, what were some of the strategies that you had in the very beginning that worked for you to start acquiring clients? Because um, and and secondarily, once you acquired them, like what? As you, you know, you were just this like fresh business person. Yeah. How are you actually managing like the whole like client, like the whole event, like making sure that you were just you know kicking ass for them? Like, how did you make sure to do that? Well, you have to understand, when you start a business, you don't do kick-ass events at the very beginning, as you just said. They're very small. They were more intimate events, like birthday parties for, like, 25 people, um, you know, dinner for four, or, you know, wrapping gifts, um, you know, helping out with, um, you know, I had some clients where they would say, my daughter is having a birthday party at her school. Could you pick up some food and the balloons and the cakes and things like that? So you did anything. Oh, most definitely. So I had to get my feet wet in in some of those parties. But again, it was small ones. I didn't want to take on anything large. And at that time, like I said, it was in 1986. Not too many people did large events. They kind of did things themselves. So backtrack a little bit. I used to work for a company called Abigail Abbott. Louise Pomeroy was a woman that was a stay-at-home mom. Her husband had lost his job. She had started her business. It was a very successful business. It was doing 
I think at that time about a oh maybe a hundred million dollars at when I was there with her. Wow! But she was my mentor, and she had a hundred women working for her. She had a couple of men. And she just really helped women out there because she was a mom herself, and then she started this business with another friend of hers. So when she would come into the office, I would ask her questions, you know, how did you do this? What made you decide to get into this industry? And it was um, a service that she helped women to get jobs and young people to get jobs. So it was a job placement company. Mm. And, you know, so... um, she really took me under her wing, and I guess it's because I, you know, I wanted to be just like her. She drove a, she had a Rolls Royce, and she had these beautiful <laughs> pearls and diamond earrings, and all. I'm thinking, how does she do this? So that kind of motivated me to say I would like to go in business for myself. Because she says in sales, the sky's the limit. If you work for someone, you can only grow but so much. But if you go into sales, that's where the money is. And so that stuck with me. I was like about 25, 26 years old. And I was, again, she was just a very gracious woman. So when I left that company and worked for Rome, all of the things that I learned from Louise, I took that with me. So I just put everything together with working for a large corporation and then also working for an entrepreneur and for this person taking the time out, explaining to me about business and, you know, going out there, talking to clients and, and building those relationships. It was right. all about relationships because we didn't have the Internet and Facebook. It was all about the handshake and having tea with people or having a glass of wine with them. And um, so that really helped me to grow my business because, for me, everybody knows me within Orange County. Mm. I'm in everyone's face. They know me. I don't like to do the internet that much. I pick up the phone. I make phone calls. Right. I need to hear the person's voice. You know, if it's business, then we'll do a little bit on the internet. But most of the time, I make phone calls myself. Wow. So, um, you know, you said that it kind of took you two years to kind of get your feet under you with the business. Yes, but- that I could eat real food. <laughs> <laughs> Was there, like, tell me about, like, the moment where where the business really transitioned. Like, explain and describe what this moment was like where you were like, I'm going to make it. Not only am I going to make it, like, it's going to be big. Well, I tell you what really put the fire under me is when I went to get a loan at the SBA, mm-hmm. and they said to me that I am sorry, but you, most Americans, they go into business and then they'll claim bankruptcy later, where, you know, somebody comes from another country, they're very serious because they need to provide for their family. So when I left there, I was kind of devastated. And then I said to myself, you know, Renee, you need to stop it. You need to think outside the box on how you need to get this money. So I had a 401K. And so I took money out of my 401K, paid big taxes on it, and that's what I did to start my business. So that's what gave me the – I had to make it work. I had to make it work because I had taken my own money out. Right, right. So that's where I got the energy of saying, listen, you know, no one's going to stop me from my dreams and – you know, my goals that I have set for my life, because it it was like I said, when I got back in the car, I was really devastated. It's like, because everyone had said to me, oh, my God, you're a woman, you're a minority. You know, you go to this small business, you know, administration, they're going to give you money. No, 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 no. Don't anybody think, don't any woman think just because you're a woman, and if you're a minority or whatever, that the government's going to give you money. It ain't happening. You got to go and make it for yourself. You got to make it for yourself. Yep. 
got to make it for yourself. So, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of the logistics of your business and kind of how the event planning uh, industry really works and the production industry really works because I think it's fascinating. It requires a ton of details and to be able to handle a ton of details. And something really unique that I love about your business is that you have deliberately approached it with the attitude that you're a really boutique business. Um, you are constantly on site. You know, you you have a team, but you really are the leader and every single client works with you. You're sort of the manager of it all. Um, why did you make that decision versus, especially as you've grown all these years, um, building it out and having teams take care of everything for you? Well, you know, I had one client for several years, Coca-Cola, and um Matter of fact, my contact, she retired, but we're still friends. And she said, I can use any event planner out there, but what I love about your service is that you're hands-on. You are a boutique. And she said that um, you're very detailed, you're on it, and that really inspired me to stay smaller. Because when you become larger, you know, um, and sometimes when people, when they make more money, they want to go bigger, they want to have offices in different states and things like that. Once you do that, you, you, you lose a lot of control. And so when things are happening, it's, it's so hard to get a client, and it's so easy to lose them if you're not on it. Right. So being an event planner, you have to be extremely organized. You never sleep because you're spinning 24-7. I can get up automatically at 3.15 every morning without an alarm clock. Jeez, girl. <laughs> I'm spinning. I'm spinning. And then I get back in the office. I'm like, did we get this? Did we forget that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just on everything. And you have to be on point because these clients are paying lots of money for you to make their events spectacular and flawless. Right. So, you know, it, it's not a, a party. You're not going to the party. You are creating an experience for your client. Mm. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, well, I can do this, I can do that. But you've got you to have a passion for it. And you, you have to be anal. To be in this business, you've got to be anal. Because every little thing means something. Uh, scotch tape. You may think, with scotch tape, I can get it anywhere. If you're out in an area doing an event and there's nothing around you, there's nowhere to get scotch tape. Right. So we usually have our little dry box that has everything in there from aspirins if anybody gets a headache, scotch tape, um, you know, I mean, everything, lotion, um, uh, what do you call it, you know, any type of anything that you think that might happen when you're on an event, you got to make sure you're prepared for it. You have like your Mary Poppins purse. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. You open up that, you open up my little dry box and everything is in there. Everything is in there. A needle, thread, whatever. Whatever, it's all in there. And I have this some, question. I have this question because, you know, because this is your skill set, your mm-hmm. skill set, you know, like you are the one who's super organized. You're the one who knows like, okay, we're going to organize this. We're going to get in touch with these people. They're going to fill mm-hmm. in here. This is the time area. How have you been able to extract that knowledge from your head so that your team, because you cannot run an event with one person. I mean, you really have no, to have an entire team. team. So it how, takes a team. What, what really systems does. or tools or online you know, software services or whatever do you use to help extract that information from your team or from your head and really systemize it for your team? Well, what I do, I, uh, I'll talk to all of the vendors that I'm going to be using, the team players within it. And then what I will do is go to the venue, 
because that is the most important to look at logistically how you're going to be able to load in, how long you think it's going to take for each vendor to unload and set up for the next one. So really, you know, the timing is everything, and it, and it comes with experience. You know, it, it, you know, for someone that says, I'm going to start a, an event planning company, I didn't get this fabulous within two years. You know, right. it, it took time. Right. And I think a lot of times people will take a job and say, oh, I'm an event planner, and it'll take a big one, and it can fail. So I did my baby steps before I did the big dogs. Yep. Yeah, that's very, So very when true. you get the baby steps down and they are flawless, then it's time for you to go ahead and move up the ladder to the larger ones. And then just surround yourself with the most amazing people out there, you know, um, that are in the industry. The only way that you're going to keep great people that can make you look good, you have to treat them well. Mm. You've got to make sure you pay them. We, I am known, and CCS is known, that we pay everyone, everyone on time, and then we move to the next one. We don't do a 30-day out or 40 days out or 60 days out. Right. When they come, they get their deposit prior because I get the money from the client, and then we pay everybody off. And that's actually pretty unique because it, it is kind of a norm in this industry to be able to do like a 30, 60, 90, you know, hey, bill us and then we'll, pay, we'll be paying no. you in the next couple of months, you know. So yeah. that's, that's pretty unique. Um, talk a little bit about the relationship with your vendors. How, mm. Obviously, over the years, you have developed really strong relationships with vendors. Some maybe, maybe use certain, you know, catering, like this is who you get always for catering or whatever. So talk a little right. bit about how... Um, how did you find the best of the best cater or not caterers, but vendors? And what have you done to continue uh, strengthening those relationships over all these years? You know, um, for myself, what I would do is go to some of the top hotels and seek out entertainment. So I would do that, uh, going to the finest restaurants or the finest hotels or resorts. And, and, you know, finding great chefs. Because some of these chefs, even though they work on site, they will work off-site for you, too. Mm-hmm. Or people that you meet that are pretty high-end, they will refer you to other high-end vendors. And so, it's, again, it's all about that relationship. If you treat one person right, they do not have a problem in referring you to other people. Especially, they'll say, don't worry about it. Renee's fair. If she says she's going to pay you, she's, her, her word is good as gold. Right. So my whole thing is respecting my vendors, respecting the team players, because without them, I can't create. I can have in my head this vision, but to make this vision come alive, i got to have the team players. Right. So showing them respect, that is making sure you take care of them, you don't talk down to them, you treat them equally, you pay them on time, they will do whatever it takes to make you look good. Right. Now, what about times, I'm sure, since 1986, you've had at least one time when your event did not go the way that it was supposed to. Something blew up in your face, whether it was just something behind the scenes that you saw or it was kind of a big deal. Can you describe what happened during any one of those moments of things not going the way that it, that it was supposed to go? And how did you react? How did you get through it? I did a wedding. I'll never forget I did this wedding and this bride wanted butterflies. 
and the butterflies, everything was beautiful, but then when the butterflies, they came in their little cocoon. Mm-hmm. So when they came into, into this little cocoon, it says that they, it needs to be warm within the house or wherever I had to be. So it was in the summertime, and I had to turn the heat up in my home, like 80 degrees. So being in California in the summertime, you can imagine how my house <laughs> felt. So um, we're waiting for these, these butterflies to hatch. So anyway, you could hear them in the boxes. They're fluttering around. And so we're, everybody's all excited because the bride and the groom is like, oh, we're going to have this special thing for everyone, and we're going to release the, all these beautiful butterflies, you know, at the church and all this kind of, Well, the butterflies, only one wing developed. No. So when you- we, <laughs> wait a minute. When the guests opened up, the, all the butterflies fell to the ground. Oh, no. I wanted to die. I, wanted, I couldn't run because the bride got the dagger eyes at me. Uh-oh. She's ready to kill me. She's ready to take me down. Katie. Take me down. <laughs> I wanted to cry. I couldn't cry. I'm in front of 250 people. The butterflies are going around in circles. The little baby says, Mommy, the butterflies are dead or something. Everybody is, it was just, I just wanted to die. So I learned from that. No butterflies at my wedding. (laughs) No butterflies. (laughs) Don't even have a chance at one-wing butterflies. (laughs) And you know what? The, the, The whole day was so bad for me. I think I was in motion, just doing the wedding, but I can't tell you what I did. I can't tell you about the reception because I wanted to just disappear. Yeah. But I, I did it, but I don't remember any of it. So how did you deal with that bride, with that client afterwards? Um, as soon as it was over, um, I gave everything to her parents and I left. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I was petrified. I, she was going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's nothing I mean, worse than an angry bride, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was just <laughs> horrible. So, you know, I gave everything to her mom and her father, um, you know, because they, it was just, like I said, still today, I can't remember all of it. It was really, it was very, very sad. Wow. It was a very sad time. So I think what I've learned is that if you feel something's not right, if your client asks you to do it, you go with your gut, don't do it. Right. So a lot of times I will tell my clients, whenever I'm doing an event, I mean, I will tell them, that's not going to happen. Not on my time. And they'll laugh. (laughs) Not on my time. Because I know it's not going to work. They might have this big vision, but logistically, if it's not going to work for me or for the venue or for the team, I can't do it. Right. Um. I'm really curious to know that, uh, you know, how you mentioned that you had a mentor before um, mm. you had Louise as a mentor and obviously mm. that stuff sticks with you no matter what, whether you're around them, mm. you know, after years or not. But what kind of what kind of other stuff even even through today do you do to make sure you're staying sharp about being the leader of your company, like pushing your company forward, like not just working in your business, but really like constantly looking on top of your business and saying, okay, what does it need? How can I stay sharp? How do I stay sharp as this CEO of my company? What kind of stuff do you do for that? I surround myself with young people because they're the future. That's how you stay fresh and on top. That's like it. That There's nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm 154, and I sing. I, I'm around the 20 year olds. You know what yeah. can I say? Because <laughs> they you keep know, me on your toes. They right? keep me young. They keep me young. They keep me on my toes. They keep me. I know what's going on. And if I don't know it, and they explain something to me, then I will hire someone to keep me current. Right. I like that. I'm still kind of old fashioned. You know, I have my old ways. 
but they, they, you know, they, they get, you know, they work with me on baby steps too. So I think I'm pretty current now, and I think I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got almost a thousand Twitters or followers on Instagram and Tweaky Poo, and I mean, I got it all now. I got it all. <laughs> Katie, I got it all. I, I, you had, I got it all, girl. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about social media now. So, you know, like yeah, back, social when you, media. back when you started, you were making phone calls, you were pushing the pavement, you were meeting mm-hmm. people one-on-one. It sounds like you do. You still do a lot of that stuff. Oh, you have to. How, you have to. How has social media um, impacted the way that you now market or the way that you now represent yourself? Like, what impact has it had? You know what, it's, the impact is more of people knowing more about you, more aware of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it, let's say, for instance, if you're constantly out there and, you know, with the, with the, um, the social media and someone happens to say, you know what, I'm getting married or we're doing this curve. You know what, I just saw something on Coast Concierge Service. Mm-hmm. They've been around for a long time. Maybe you might want to give them a call. That's what works. Got that it. will work because before it was all of, you know, the word of mouth. So we still have that because I still get most of my business is referral. Right. Most of it is referral yep. and repeating clients that I've had for 20 years or more. Mm. Um, so I've been very fortunate and, you know, just and, you know, I always tell my my clients, I said, I'm very blessed. And they go, Renee, you're not blessed. You're good. <laughs> so, you work for that blessing. <laughs> I work for it. So it's it's OK. It's yeah. OK. So. To have both of those together, it's it's you know it's a, it's a, it's a triple A. Um, so you mentioned something in there about the fact that you have a lot of like recurring clients, a lot of clients that have been with you for a long time. I think one of the you know good and bad things about um, event planning as a business is that the business model in and of itself is you know a client pays you this chunk of money and then you go and use that money to produce and pay your team and all this right. sort of stuff to produce this one event but it's once and so you know um have you found uh, have you found ways to a maybe you can give some advice to anyone as far as like how to attract recurring clients so you know like okay every year we're going to have this event for this particular client or every quarter we're going to have this event because that's some form of at least recurring revenue and is there any sort of um, kind of add-on that you've added to your business that allows for some sort of recurring revenue? Like, talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, with the clients that I have and I've had for a long time, it's, you have to listen to what they want. So you listen to what your client wants. You, really you really have because again, it's not your party. You listen to what they want, and then what you can do is add in your twist. But again, for instance, if a client is looking to brand you know, a product or a new suite or a new building or whatever it might be, you need to listen to what they want because it is their branding and it is their company. And then you can go ahead and say, well, you know, maybe we can add a little bit of entertainment to it or a little bit of lighting. Look at their face. Body language is everything. If you see them cringe, you need to back off. Don't push it. Because a lot of people, oh, you know, we can do that. You know, they're talking, but they're not really listening to the client, and they're not really reading the client. You need to be there for the client. Again, it's not your party. If it's a, let's say, for instance, a law firm, you can't be adding pink flowers and pink lighting into a law firm. Right. But some people will do that, you know. Understanding what the client is all about, you know, their protocol. That's important. Protocol is everything. 
So if you have a company that might be in the entertainment, then they're more open to maybe go-go dancers. If you've got a company that's a little bit more conservative, you can't have go-go dancers in a, in a cage. Right, right. You know, so I think, you know, you really need to listen to your clients on what they want and what their mission is and what they're trying to, you know, brand for their company and for their guests. You know, then you always ask them, what type of guests, what type of food? Um, you know, it's just a, a, a lot of questions that you have to ask the client. Yeah. But you got to make sure somebody's writing it down. I always have someone with me because to make sure that I listen to them, but then they also take notes. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, you got to make you sure. You have to do that. And so having with, a second person there is great because exactly, it, it ensures that you're catching some things, they're catching everything. You right, know, so. exactly. So it's always good to have, you know, the travel in pairs. And it's so funny because yesterday I went to a client last night, and she says, where's your team? <laughs> I said, well, they're, they're, they're at home. I'm with you, and then I'm going to go out. You know, one of those <laughs> things. But they're so used to me having someone with me. You know, Um, and and it makes them feel comfortable, too. And, you know, when you go out to a client, you want to show them that you are professional, that this is not, you know, a gig type of thing. Right. This is, you know, you're representing them. You're you're, you have, you know, your interest is to make them happy and to help them put on a fabulous event for whatever reason it might be. Yeah. What about some of the most challenging parts about what you do what what are those what are some of the most challenging things that you have to deal with on a regular basis or you know just in general like what what are some of those things when people don't realize what the cost of things are mm. so when they when they that, get like shell that, shock when you when that, you tell yeah, them exactly yeah. exactly um they will tell you they want to do this amazing event and you keep asking them what the budget is and don't worry about it. i got a lot of money i got a lot of money uh, how many people do you want? 250. What is your budget? We got a lot of money. We got a lot of money. What type of food do you want? The top of the line. Uh, what's your budget? Uh, don't worry about it. We got, <laughs> you, you get that because they'll keep yeah. putting you off. And then you say, okay, this is it. Do you want a Mercedes or do you want a BMW? <laughs> do you want a Volkswagen or do you want a Rolls Royce? Right. And then I'll say, well, what do you mean? And then I'll say, well, I need to know. It's no different if you're going house shopping or car shopping. You've got to know what type of budget you have that you're going to spend on this car. And then they'll tell you $10,000 for 250 people. And uh, no. Yeah. And I just have to tell them, I can't do it. It's not going to happen. What do you do with what do you do with clients when you rep, when you like tell them a budget after all of this and you say great here's going to be the bill and they now want to like you know start negotiating being like oh well can we take that you know how, can we bring that down five grand can we do this because I would imagine you'd get that a lot so what what strategies have you used to actually negotiate well with clients so they feel like they get a deal but you know that you're still you know getting what you deserve and what your what your value is. I do not mind, and I think for anybody that's in any type of business, when you have a repeating client, it's okay to work with the negotiating. When you have a new client and they give you that budget, you have to make sure that that budget is going to cover everything. For me, I don't like to go back to my client. Once they give me a budget, I can start calculating on what things are going to cost. I will make it very clear to them this is not going to work. If they feel this is all the budget they have, then you need to move on. Mm. So don't be because afraid to walk away. You've got you to gotta walk away because what's going to happen, you're going to promise them the world, and then it's not going to be satisfying for them. You know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be nitpicking. Right. 
Hmm. So anything that's over 25000 I've always said, and I, I see it all the time, if it's a repeating client, you can take a 2000 all the way up to 100000 If it's a new client and they're asking for the world for 25000 for 250 people, you're going to have to turn it away. You have to turn away on that, on something like that. You got to say, "I'm sorry," right? Because you only have one time to prove your reputation out there. Hmm. One time, and if you mess up on that, they're going to destroy it for you. Yep. So you can't always put money first. You have to be honest with yourself and honest with that client. Renee, what do you see in the future for you? Like, where you have you have just hustled building this business over all these years, you've created an incredible boutique business that Mm. people all over Orange County know who you are. They know all about it. What do you think is, you know, what, what are you supposed to do? Like what's the impact you're supposed to have? Where is this business going? What, what are you here for within this business? Well, you know, I've always, for one of my goals, I always wanted to write a book. So we have the wow factor. That's my book, the wow factor. Um, What I did is, I, I had it where it was a little bit about my life, and then for also for people who wanted to get into the industry, they could, you know, I wanted to put something in there. for It wasn't just all about pictures, beautiful pictures and flowers and things like that. So my next step, I would say my next chapter, is to come with another book. And I just, my whole thing is just helping people that want to get into the business um, to help them out. I think for me, when I started my business, there was no one that I could go to. Because like I said, this was in 1986. Right. So just helping young people to do the right thing if they want to get into this industry. That's my goal, you know, and to give back to the community and to mentor. I mean, like I said, if it wasn't for Louise and all the other wonderful women that touched my life and my grandmother and, and my aunts and, of course, the men that helped raise me, um, having mentors and, and great role models, that is the best thing. And that's what I love doing. And I will continue doing that after Coast Concierge Service. Mm. Well, Renee, I really want to thank you so much for spending some time here with me today, for sharing your story, and uh, for being so energetic and obviously Katie! so passionate about Bye-bye, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> thank th- you for having me. I really appreciate it. So many great takeaways, um, but I just want to point out a few that um, I loved how she talked about getting the best of the best vendors by going into the nicest hotels and, you know, kind of searching out and asking them who their entertainment is by going to some of the nicest restaurants and finding out who those chefs are um, and, you know, having them work with you outside of their chef job and um, and really just being very pointed about what, like, where you're going to get all that stuff. I thought that was very interesting. And I really loved her advice about how to negotiate or really how not to negotiate uh, when a client is trying to kind of haggle price with you a little bit. Uh, She was very straightforward. I loved it. I can either hit your budget or I can't and be willing to walk away. I thought that was a really great lesson. So hope you enjoyed this too. Hope you got a lot of great things out of it. And I can't wait to see you on the next show.